Right now at Safeway, save on all your personal care favorites during the Buy 3, Save 3 dollar sale. During the Buy 3, Save 3 dollar sale at Safeway, buy three of your favorite personal care items like Dove Shampoo, Dove Antiperspirant Deodorant, Dove Men's Body Wash, Tresemme Hairspray, or Axe Shower Gel and save $3. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take That's given me life. Shout it out. I am. Hallelujah. Remain standing if you would. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is everything is muted but me. Mark chapter 1 verse 14. Mark chapter 1 verse 14. Hallelujah. They're going to have that for you by the end of the service. I want you to see it. It's real dramatic and wonderful. Mark chapter 14 verse, Mark chapter 1 rather, verse 14. You got it? Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. Look at somebody next to you and say, what are you waiting on? The moment you were born, it was your time. They didn't hear that, so I need you to talk to somebody else. Say, what are you waiting on? The moment you were born. It became your time to demonstrate the kingdom. Verse 15, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or it's here. We're not waiting on it. We're not looking for it to come. It is here and repent. Say repent and believe in the gospel. Father, we thank you for the gospel today. And Father, we thank you that it is the time for us to manifest your kingdom in the earth. We thank you that the whole earth was waiting on this moment that we would be born, that we would be like Jeremiah and do something great and do something memorable in the earth. We thank you that we were not created to live a life of mediocrity. No, the gospel created us to live a glorious and victorious life that we might show forth your kingdom. And so like Mark says, we're going to repent. We're going to turn around and we're going to stop believing all the bad news and we're going to start to believe the gospel which is the good news and if you believe that why don't you shout in the house high five two or three people and say but the gospel is my identity tell them the gospel is my identity you can be seated in the very presence of the lord the word gospel means good news say good news Uh, good news connotes information say information see to get news you have to have information but to first have information you got to first start with a conversation but now to have a conversation, you got to have some words. Isn't it bad trying to have a conversation with someone that doesn't have any words to say? They just got to sit in there and you talking, but they don't have nothing to say back. Now watch this. But the words are meaningless if they are not backed by a reliable source. You can't believe everything you hear from everybody because some sources are unreliable. And when you identify an unreliable source, you got to go back to double check the information that was relayed to you. And so now, Bishop, why is the gospel then reliable? It's reliable because in the gospel of John chapter one, the Bible says in the beginning was the word. Say the word. It says, and the word was with God. Say, it was with God. But look at this next part. It says, and the word was God. Which means the words of the gospel are not just words, but the words of the gospel is a person. You didn't hear what I said. The gospel is a person. The person's name is Jesus the Christ. And the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. He and what he says are one. Needs to get that. He is his word. Say that. He is 
That's where that's why wherever Jesus went, everything changed because he was the living, talking, walking, breathing, smelling, hearing, tasting gospel. He was the good news of a God that loved us so much that he would send himself in bodily form through the person named Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. It is not some fairy tale. It is not some nursery rhyme, but Jesus is the gospel. Say that. Now, now, now watch this. Since the gospel became a person and people have senses, the gospel has its own senses. Flow with me, flow with me. Uh, Jesus is the gospel. Uh, the gospel is the word, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word and the gospel are the same thing. And since the word became a person, people have senses. Your neighbor sitting right next to you, they can see, they can hear. Uh, they can smell, they can taste, uh, all, all that. They can feel, they have, they have all their senses, right? Well, amen. Just check them real quick. Make sure they, make sure. okay, cool, 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 Now watch this. The gospel has its own set of senses that do not necessarily agree with your senses. Amen. Amen. Bishop, what, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean by that? The gospel sees things differently. The gospel hears things differently. The gospel feels things differently. It tastes different. It smells different. Watch this. The gospel has its own unique way of dealing with every situation because it understands that while something may start out as bad news, it knows when it shows up that bad news has to be changed to become good news. So the gospel may look at a bad situation and say, I wonder how God's going to get me through this. I wonder how this is going to work. The gospel may have a nasty taste from somebody in your mouth, but the gospel will make you look at that person and say but I'm still going to love you I'm still going to pray for you because the gospel has different senses the gospel feels differently it, it, it doesn't let trouble make it feel the way that your natural man feels the gospel looks at trouble and says but he was wounded for my iniquity the, the gospel will look at a situation, it will look at a problem, and it will diagnose it differently. Because your entire human experience is based off and predicated upon the sensual perception you have. Many times things aren't as bad as we make them, it's just that our senses will convince us of that. Are you still here? So if the gospel has its own senses, then that means the gospel has the ability to change my sensual perception. What does that mean? It has the ability to change how I see, has the ability to change how I hear, and what I hear, and who I hear. It has the ability to change what I feel. It has the ability to change what I smell. It has the ability to change what I taste. So the gospel changes my senses. Now, Bishop, what, what, what do you mean by that? Because I, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the gospel, but, but greens smell like greens. Bishop, I, I believe in the Lord. I believe in the gospel, but 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 you know, a uh, 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 ham sandwich smells like a ham sandwich. It don't matter if it's honey baked or if it's from the restaurant down the street. Well, actually, that's not quite true because honey baked puts that that crust on it, and you know, if you get one of the good pieces with the crust on it, change your life. Change your life. Watch this. I'm being facetious. Watch this. The gospel then has the ability to change my sensual perceptions. What, what do you mean by that? How, how can the gospel change how I feel? Well, well because 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells you about that. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, the word faith in Greek is interesting. It's got several different definitions, but one of them is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And the definition of that word is truth. Would it be safe to say that the gospel is the truth? So it means we walk by the truth, or we could even insert there the gospel, and not by sight. Now, sight is interesting as well, because in its original form, it does not just mean my visual sight, it means my sensual perception. Uh, the gospel means I stop living by what it is I'm able to perceive sensually, and I start living by what he said about what I'm perceiving sensually. You, 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 you didn't quite get that. So he says, for we walk by faith. We walk by the gospel and not by our own senses, which means this may feel bad to me in the natural, but the gospel says it's working for my good. 
I may be frustrated in the natural, but the gospel says all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. But the problem is, is our human experience makes it difficult for us to believe good news without skepticism or cynicism. Somebody walks up to you after this first worship experience and says to you, uh, you owe the IRS such and such money. You would probably believe that. You may not receive it, but you, you might believe it. <laughs> but if somebody walked up to you and said that the IRS owes you $25,000, oh, you'd receive that one, huh? But you would think to your, what, what, what's this? What, what's the point you're trying to make? If somebody comes to you with negative news, it's amazing how quickly you believe that. But when somebody comes to you with some good news, it's amazing how you look at that with cynicism or skepticism. I don't believe. I don't know. It's our human experience that makes us feel that good news is wrong or good news is bad. Or that walking in the blessing of God is somehow we shouldn't be doing all of that. And we should, we should feel bad for, for, for this and that because, because all, no, 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 no. The human experience is unique because even Jesus had to beg and plead with people to believe the good news. He, he says, I've been preaching the kingdom. And he says, uh, problem is, y'all won't repent. Turn and believe good news. Y'all rather sit there and believe all of the bad news. Isn't that something? Jesus had to plead with people. Could you imagine Jesus Christ, the anthropos, the God man, so much God, you could not believe he was uh, uh, God, so much man, you could not believe he was man. He, 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 was, he, he, he was just all of that and the bag of chips. He was 100% God, yet 100% man, so much man, you could not believe he was God, so much God, you could not believe he was man. And yet he had to walk around pleading with people, please believe me. I've got good news for you. Listen, what's the good news? The good news is all of the bad news is wrong. But our human experience makes it difficult to believe that. So you, you'll hear the gospel. You'll hear something good. You'll hear something encouraging. And before you walk out of the building, all of a sudden something has popped up in your mind to make you stop believing what you just heard. Our human experience will mess us up if we let it. How long are you going to stay stuck believing bad news? Do you not understand that what you believe determines what you do and all of your actions are predicated upon what you believe? Therefore, if I believe bad news, no wonder why I do bad actions that create bad consequences and so thusly I live a bad life. The first and most primary part of the gospel is receiving a new yet ancient identity. But Bishop, what do you mean a new yet ancient? Well, see, identity was given to you by God in eternity. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah, before I knew you, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I sanctified you, which means God says, I told you who you were before you ever had a physical body. That's, that, that, that's it. God does that in a realm called heaven or in a realm called eternity. Now, a paradox enters. A paradox comes because uh, the scripture says that while we have the identity that we were given in eternity, yet when I come into Christ, I'm a new creation. So how is it that I have an ancient identity, yet I'm a new creation all at the same time? How is it that I have something that was spoken over me before the foundation of the world, and yet at the same time, I'm just coming into the knowledge of what was spoken to me over before the foundation of the world? So I am ancient, yet I am brand new all at the same time. I dare you to high-five somebody and say you're ancient and you're brand new at the same time. The brand new part of it is that you got to convince your flesh, your Adam, the, the human experience. you got to convince him that while you may be in this world, you are not of this world. But you are from a realm with God where God sent you here on assignment. So often though we let temporary experiences give us permanent identity. And we begin to identify ourselves by past mistakes and failures. That's the first way people identify themselves because everywhere they go, they're talking about their past mistakes and their past failures. 
you know, I, 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 I'm this, or, or I'm that, or, or I was this, or that's just the way my family is, or that's just the way we do it, or that's it. And so they identify themselves by something from yesterday, which never had the ability to give them the proper identity anyhow. Why would you let something inside of time de uh, define something that was developed outside of time? You missed what I just said. If you were created in eternity, why in heaven are you letting something that's happening in the realm of time define you? Man, I may be having some tough temporary experiences, but it does not change who I am. But the second way people allow themselves to be defined is by current disappointments about where they are in life. So maybe it's not their past mistakes of failure, but maybe they're currently disappointed with where they are in life. They're, they're not quite where they anticipated being. They're not quite where they thought things would be. Their, their life isn't quite everything that they hoped it would be. They had a five-year plan, which they're now on year 25, and they're trying to figure out how in the world is all of this working. And so they begin to define themselves by what's around them, that disappointment that's around them. And so they don't want to get their hopes up because it will lead to the third way people define themselves, which is low expectations for the future. So either now people are defining themselves by past failures and mistakes, they're defining themselves by current disappointments, or we're defining ourselves by low expectations for the future because we don't want to get our hopes up, we don't want to get we don't want to get our passion up because what happens if it happens like it did last time? And so now you begin to define yourself by something that occurred in time, yet you are a being that was made out of time and you're letting time tell you what to do. Are you still here? Say identity. Now, now, now watch this. You cannot discover who you are based solely on experiences you have in time. Experiences in time are indicators but not identifiers. Say that again. Experiences we have in life are, are indicators but not identifiers. Bishop, what do you mean by that? They indicate that there's something great about you. They just don't tell you what it is about you that's great. You miss what I just said. So after you've been through what you've been through, and I know I've got some folk in here that have been through some tough storms and some hell and some high water and some trials and some tribulations. After you've been through what you've been through, you get the indicator that you're special, but a special what? A special who? It's an indicator that there's something great there. It just doesn't tell you what it is that's great. Amen. So then I discover who I am based on what God says about me in eternity. You discover who you are based on what God says about you in eternity. Well, what do you mean, Bishop, what God says about me in eternity? Let's go back to where we started. Remember, what does the word of God say about you? Not what you feel like because life hasn't been what you expected. What did he say about you before you ever got yourself in a tough situation? What did he say about you before you ever found yourself in the middle of a marriage mess? What, what did he say about you before you ever found yourself in a tough financial situation? Because whatever he said is what my identity is because he and his word are the same thing. So all I got to do is stop trying to figure out who I am and just believe the gospel. I dare you to touch somebody and say, just believe it, just believe it, just believe it. When you were born, I said this to you earlier, it became your season. It, 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 I get so aggravated when Christians talking about, well, I'm just waiting on my season. If this was the next worship experience, I'd say something far more graphic. What in the world are you waiting on? You've been waiting on your seat. You're 75. What in the world are you waiting on? What, what, what are you waiting on? What, what are you saying? I'm just waiting on the Lord. Why? What, what, watch this. What, watch this. It would suggest that the time and the period God allowed you to be born, that he got that timing wrong. Because you're saying to him, it ain't my season yet. I'm scared. I can't handle that. I can't do that. And he says, then what you're doing is insulting me. Because what you're telling me is that I should have waited and let you be born at a different time and a different season. But don't you get to tell me when I get to tell you when you got to be born. 
when I came out of my mama's womb, baby, it was my time, it was my season to make a mark in the earth that cannot be erased. I was so... Because I want to slow down because I want you to get it. So, 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 so people say, so I'm waiting on God. And God is saying, I'm waiting on you. And then here's what people say. I'm just trying to find myself. I don't know who I am. I'm just trying to find myself. You know what trying to find yourself means? Making a series of poor decisions that lead nowhere rather than trying to find yourself. Why don't you just believe the gospel? Trying to find yourself means living life by experiment rather than by design. And the problem with experiments is that sometimes things blow up in the lab. Jesus says, repent, turn, look, and believe the good news about who you are. A lot of folk tell you you're not this, you're not that, you're not that. A lot of situations tell you you're not this, you're not that, you're not that. And Jesus says to you, would you just stop? Turn and just believe what I say about you. Touch your neighbor and say, just believe what he says. Just believe what he says. So, so Bishop, then what is my identity according to the gospel? Let's get to it. The first definition of the word identity and the first part of the identity we get in the gospel. It is, the definition is, the collective aspect or set of characteristics by which a thing is definitively recognizable or known. Now, you're trying to write that. Just get the CD. I'll give it to you in shorthand. You ready? What defines me? The thing that defines me. Now, watch this. Watch this. When you get this. Romans 8.37 says this. Yet in all these things, we are, you know it, more than conquerors, through him who loved us. This so, is what I mean. The collective aspect or set of characteristics by which a thing is definitively recognizable or known. The thing that defines me as being me. Watch this. The totality of your identity and our identity as believers can't be fully quantified in the word conqueror. Okay. I, you missed that. As the writer of Romans is making his case to the Roman people, he tells them, yet in all these things, he describes some tough situations and they're slaughtered all day. You read the verse prior. He says, but yet in all of this drama we got to go through, we are more than conquerors. In essence, the writer was saying, all of who we are can't be fully quantified in one word. Y'all ain't got it. I'll talk to them over here. All of who God has made you, one word can't do it justice. So the writer of Romans says, whatever the word conqueror is, I can tell you we're more than that. No, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Any conquerors in the house this morning? He says, whatever that word means, I can promise you this, we're more than that. So then it would be incumbent upon us to define what the word conqueror means. It means to overcome and to take over a place or a people. To successfully overcome a problem or a weakness. It means to climb a mountain successfully. Of course, we don't climb them. We speak to them. It means to gain the love, admiration, or respect of a person or group of people. Now, now check this out. Check this out. All of who you are cannot be defined in the word conqueror. So he just says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So now you know what a conqueror is. So now that tells you who you are. You're more than that. Situation goes down on your job. You just look at it and say, I'm more than this. Somebody tells you you're never going to be nothing. You look at it and say, I'm more than that. Somebody tells you God's not going to you. I'm more than that. 
somebody tells you your best days are behind you. I'm more than that because whatever conqueror means, I'm greater than that. So, so when a person knows who they are, it changes how they think. Now, now check this out. Can we go another further? Romans in that same chapter, 831, he says this. What then shall we say to these things? Now he says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Verse 31, he says, what then shall we say to these things? Okay, I'm going to slow it down because y'all missed it. Matter, matter of fact, flip there. I want you to see it. Flip there. Romans 8, 31. Won't you see it? Won't you see it? This is who you are. Stop letting the world define you. Stop letting folk define you. Stop letting situations define you. You were defined before you ever had a body. Got it? Romans 8, 31. Look what he says. I, I want you to read it so that you can see it was there when you got here. Ready? Read. What then? Now stop. The writer's saying, I need to talk back to the things that are trying to tell me who I am. Which means everything is really a who. You get it. What then shall we say to these things? Well, if if I'm saying something, it first has to start with what I'm thinking. So when a person knows who they are, it changes how they think. Which means when a who comes against me, remember everything is a who. There's a who behind everything. So the writer of Romans says, what then shall we say to these things? Really what he's saying is, I think differently about these things now that I've been able to define myself as more than a conqueror. Look what he says, the B part of the verse. If God be for us, who can be against us? Okay, we, we're not getting it. We're not getting it. Because see, y'all be tearing the church up if you got it. If everything is a who, got it? And I begin to think differently about the who because I know who I am. When a who comes against me, financial situation, whatever it is, when a who comes against me, I look at the who and say, you must be crazy. Because if God be for me, who are you to be against me? You must not know my name. My name is more than who. Touch your neighbor say you're more than the who. You're more than the who. More than the who. More, more than the who. More than the who. When something comes against you, you just get your boxing gloves on. Stop retreating. You just get ready and say, I'm more than this who. Who's crazy enough to come against me since God before me? I think there's some people in the house today that found out you were more than a conqueror. Who? Who's crazy enough to get in the ring with me? They must not know my name. It's not Iron Mike. It's more than a conqueror. Second point of who you are. Second point. You have to give the who's that come against you credit because they must. They, they, remember, everything is a who. S second definition, second definition. This is who you are. So f first thing, you know who you are. You're what? More than a conqueror. I'm more than whatever comes against me. More than that. But the second, second, second is, is this. It's The definition is the set of behavioral or personal characteristics by which an individual is recognizable as a member of a group. Let me shorten that for you. 
it makes you a member of a group. It's a definition of identity. It means you're a member of a group. Now flip to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Identity is not individuality. And so many people want to hold on to their individuality, not understanding that part of your identity from God makes you part of the corporate whole. And so while you may enjoy standing out, and you may enjoy, you know, doing this and doing that, part of the identity God gave you makes you part of the whole. Now, your unique characteristics are necessary for part of the whole, but not to serve as a distraction to the whole. It's identity, not individuality. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you got it? Now, now I want you to read it. I want you to read it like you're preaching. Everybody say what they do if they run into church. Let's see how you preach. That's how. He says, you are the what? Body of Christ and members individually. Now, now watch this. Since we are his body, we know we are his body. That's our identity. Say, we are the body of Christ. It should change how we act. See, I'm more than a conqueror. It changes how I think. But second thing is I, I realize I'm a member of a the body. So it should change how I act. See, but, but so why should it change how I act? Because part of my identity means I'm not just representing me. Part of my identity means I'm representing the place I call my church and I'm representing the God that I call my God. Which means the reason I may want to act ugly with you, but the reason I don't is because I realize I represent the body of Christ. I am the body of Christ. So I have to change how I act. You may want to act ugly with somebody. But you don't because you know who you are and you are the body of Christ. So it changes how we act. We may want to say, well, they got over on us, so we're going to get over on them. But we can't because we know who we are. We are the body of Christ. And since we know who we are, it has to change how we act. Why? Because there's people that are watching. There's the world that's watching. There's other body members that are watching. And so I don't want my good to be evil spoken of. So I make sure I carry myself in such a way that I'm representing my God to the best. I'm representing my church to the best. And let me take it another further. I'm representing the person I'm sitting next to to the best. Because we are the body of God. You may not like who's sitting next to you. You better get the world over it because it's not about that. That's your brother and that's your sister and you don't get a say in the matter. We are the body of Christ. So first thing is I'm more than a conqueror. Changes how I think. But then I'm the body of Christ. So then it changes the things I tweet. It changes the things I Facebook. It changes the emails I forward. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing. That's okay. I must be in your stuff. Good. It, it, it changes the conversations I have. It changes who I let have conversations with me. It, it changes all of that because I understand I'm the body. Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Because, see, when you know who you are, you, you realize you have no rivals. See, 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 I, I'm not worried about what they're doing down the street because I'm not them. So I have no rivals. Touch your neighbor and say, you're not my rival. You and me are the same. Now, Bishop, what does that mean? How stupid would it be for you to cut your own arm? If you and the person next to you are both parts of the body, you hurting them. It's really you hurting yourself. So since I know who I am, I refuse to let myself hurt you. You may hurt me. That's all right. I'll let God handle that. Because I know who I am. Know who I am. Know who I am. Third. Third, 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 and final. It means this. The quality 
or condition of being the same as something else. <laughs> it means, let me give it to you shorthand, being the same as the one that gave me my identity. Go to Ephesians 3. Go to Ephesians 3. Y'all all right? I'm about through. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> it's who I am. Uh, why are you trying to find yourself? I'm telling you who you are. Just believe it. Don't sit here trying. Some of you right now, I feel it. You're trying to analyze it. Well, I conquered that, but I haven't quite conquered that. I, just believe it. You ready? Ephesians 3, got verse 15. Start in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, look at verse 15. Now, verse 15 doesn't make you run. Uh, you need run. I'm joking. Verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth. Well, what's the last part? Is named. <laughs> Let me help you here. Let me help you here. Look at verse 14, because I, I want you to clearly see this. He says, therefore I what? For this reason I bow my knees to who? The Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop. Look at the last part of verse 15. From whom the old family in heaven and earth is named. So we can clearly identify the from whom he's talking about is God. Bishop, yes. what are you trying to say? Bishop, what are you trying to say? God gave us his name. Uh, perhaps I can give it to you in a marital analogy so that you see it. When, when a man and a woman marry, the woman takes the name the last name, which is the namesake, she will take the namesake of whom she is marrying and she now loses, watch this, the individuality of who she was before and she garners the new identity of who she has now been joined to. Which means now they don't even call her by her name, they will say Mr. and Mrs. John Jenkins. They don't have to say her first name because her first name is found in his last name. Listen, what are you trying to say? Jesus said, when you become a believer in me and reconcile yourself to me, I don't want to hear about your name anymore. I give you my name. What's his name? His name is Jesus the Christ. Christ, the anointed one, his anointing, and his anointed. Which means my third and final piece to my identity is that you're no longer part of whatever your bloodline was when you walked into God. God says, when you came and joined yourself to me, you lost your first name and you gained my last name. Now, now watch this. Bishop, why is it important to know that I have his name? Uh, uh, wh why? Go to Philippians 2.9. Go to Philippians 2.9. Uh, uh, wh why is it important? Okay, great. He gave me his name. Great. What does that mean? Uh, uh, I'm going to show you what that means. Philippians 2.9, you got it? Look at this. Therefore, now I want you to read this, since y'all did pretty good on that last one. Read verse 9. Read it, read. Now stop. Wait, wait, wait. So I just learned he gave me his name. But then I just found out his name was the name that's above 
every name. Remember, everything is a who. Who's have names. I'm going to help you figure out who you are. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm trying to let it stir. Like some greens with that. Say, I have his name. His name is greater than every name that is named. So when cancer shows up, cancer is a name. And my name is superior to cancer. When lack shows up, lack is inferior to my name. When betrayal shows up, it is inferior to my name. You're not hearing what I'm saying. When depression shows up, depression is inferior to my name. When low self-esteem shows up, it is inferior to my name. Whether you like him or not, I just think a political thing, but, but, but the, the name Trump, whether you don't go there, I'm proving a point. His children, they were all on Oprah recently, his children, they walk differently because of their last name. Nobody cares nothing about the first name, Don Ivanka. Don't nobody know how to pronounce all that. The only and the most important part is when they show up and say, I'm a Trump. The, 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 name, the, name, the name now, watch everybody's children be named this now, Obama. It means something. And it, it will then open a door that the person's first name couldn't open. I'm giving you examples. Mr. What are you trying to say? His name, which is our name, is superior to every name that is named. So when somebody walks up to you and say, you're not going to ever be anything. This is as far as you're going to go. You say, you must not know my last name. I showed up representing the Christ family. You may have heard of him. He was a great missionary. You may have heard of him. He was a great healer and a worker of miracles. You might know something about him. I think your great, 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 great uncle was blind years ago. And he was the one that walked by and healed your uncle. You may know of him. He's the kind of man that can take two fish and five loaves of bread. And he can feed thousands upon thousands of people. You, you may have read about him. Matter of fact, his book is the greatest selling book that, that's ever been out. It trumped John Osteen and it, it trumped everybody else. You may know my daddy. You, you may have met him. Yes. His name is Jesus the Christ. That's my name. He's given me his name. And because I have his name. Watch this. It then changes how we speak. Changes how we speak. Why, Bishop, does it change how we speak? Real simple. It's not arrogance. And, and when you figure this out, that's exactly what people will say about you. I figured it out years and years ago. When you figure this out, it it changes how you speak. Bishop, what do you mean it changes changes how we speak? I'm not arrogant. 
because I know it's not me. I'm confident in the gospel that says I have his name. And at that name, every knee I can't go into that this morning. You're more than conquerors. Whatever conqueror is, but you know, you're greater than that. But then we're the body of Christ. We are his body, so it changes how we act. But then we have his name. And some of you may feel like, oh, you never get ahead. Life is never fair to you. Things never work out for you. It always seems like you take one step forward and two steps back. That's simply because you've been using the wrong name. When you fill out an application, you write in your stuff. Instead of knowing in the spirit, while I'm writing this in English, I know in Greek or Hebrew or something what's really going here. I have his name. And so I'm confident in life. I don't walk around seeking the approval of people. I could care less what it is that you believe or think or tweet or Facebook or go at your house and get on the phone and say, because I know. Who I am. Someone says something contrary to who I am. I look them back and say, I don't receive that. Because I found out my identity. Everybody stand on your feet. Some of you might be saying, well, Bishop, isn't this kind of self-serving? Not at all. Not at all. When people know who they are, changes what they do. When people know who they are, we don't have to have for our prayer lines to pray out stuff they just stop doing what they're not more than conquerors more than conquerors we are the body of Christ and he's given us his name When you walk into somewhere, don't you walk in in your own strength. Don't you walk in in your own knowledge. You walk in the knowledge of him that's made you. Perhaps you're here today with your heads bowed and eyes closed and you say, Bishop, what a wonderful teaching to find out who we are, but none of this applies if you're not a believer. All of these wonderful things in the gospel about our identity, they only apply if we're believers. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus today. Well, you can become one today. He did all of that on the cross to give you an identity so that you wouldn't be defined by stupid stuff. But you'd be defined by what he said about you. Maybe you're here, though, and. You fell away from God. You, 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 you've become a Christian. You've become a believer in Jesus, but you've, you've fallen away. You've gotten into doing your own thing, and you're in a moment and situation in life where you need to come to the Lord. You need to regarner your fellowship with him. Can I tell you, God is not angry with you. I found out that the real deal with God is he just gets frustrated when we settle for living below what he made us to be. And it's not just about having things because many times people get things and things begin to have people. What it is about it is about who am I outside of my stuff? Who 
Who am I if I mean for laboring younger or am I eating peanut butter and jelly? Who am I if I'm riding the bus or I'm walking? Who am I? If that's you today, you don't know Jesus. So number two, you need to get things right with God. God's not mad at you. We don't care about your past. We don't care about your yesterday. If you're here today and you need to get things right with God, don't miss this opportunity. We're not going to make you come down front. We're not going to make you turn around and confess your sin to your neighbor. No, you're going to be able to get things handled right there from where you're at. But I need you to take a step of faith with me, and it's big, and it's bold, and it's raising your hand in your seat. If that's you, one, two, three, slip your hand up right now in this moment. Slip your hand up. Also, you can go forward. Come on, keep your hand up, and the officers are going to place something in your hand. And we're going to give you instructions on what to do with that in just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to encourage somebody next to you. Look them dead in the eye and say, thank God for my identity. I'm not lost. I know who I am. Hallelujah. Why don't you hug two or three people? As you take your seats, and let's check out what's going on at Harvest this week. Amen. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.